Um, hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat podcast. Uh, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall, and thank you very much for joining me. And yes, I've missed my script, so I should really start from the beginning, shouldn't I? Anyway, um, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting app, um, so we drop into your phone every week. Um, and also, please, there was a five-star rating, rating if you're on that Apple podcast, Thingamajig, or iTunes, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, if you'd like to watch what happens behind the covers, the show is live on YouTube at 8 p.m. New Zealand time every single Tuesday. Um, you can also join in the discussions on our five questions via Twitter. Just follow at Driving Mall. Um, look out for the questions and use hash rugby chat in your answers. So, I'm, um, yeah, I'm Paul. Yes, I'll be hosting the next hour or so. Um, and uh, clearly, we're off to a great start already. And I am joined by one of the West Stand Massive um, tonight. NZ Fatso, or better known as Ashwin. How are you doing, sir? Doing very well, doing very well. Second time, third time on. Coming a regular. Third time on, wow. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> one of those, I think, was a, uh, was, was, it was a post-game review as well, wasn't it? Yes. Um, yes. So hi, Joshua in the, uh, we've got Joshua and Jack in the live chat as well. So I say, if you are watching uh, live on YouTube, we will get your comments um, in there. So. Um, tonight we will be talking about the Cup, the Mario Blacks, the Mighty Ten Cup, and rugby innovations as well. All sorts of stuff going on, and no doubt I'll give Arsenal a chance to throw up any topics I haven't thought about um, as well. But let's kick off with question one straight from the off. The Wallabies lost to Scotland in June and have now beaten the All Blacks uh, in the Bledisloe Cup. So where do they really stand at the moment? Well, it's a it's an interesting question, and um, I think the the Northern Hemisphere tour for the Australians will um, really show us where they're at. Um, I think the All Blacks did play a bit below par on the weekend. In saying that, they were definitely the second best team on that paddock. Australians deserved to win that, and uh, and, uh, it, it, and did very well. Uh, I, I thought that second half they dominated the All Blacks all over the park, really. Um, in the end, I wasn't really sure whether All Blacks had a chance, although they stayed in the game, as they always do. As they always do. And we did have Checker complaining uh, in the Junior Nationals that Super Rugby sides hadn't given him players in a fit state. And so we have seen them improving um, each, uh, each, each game or, or over time. And part of that's going to come down to the fitness um, that he requires. Because he does play a very high-tempo game uh, that's different to some of the Super Rugby sides. And then, to be honest, international rugby is played at a higher pace than Super Rugby. So I think there's definitely an element there of the players um, getting used to the Wallaby system um, and getting fit and up to speed as well. Yeah, look, um, that's one of the things we talked about in the office today, actually, is the fact was that the Australians played the game with width and they played it very well. They got on the outside of the uh, All Blacks and that managed to stretch the defence on the insides as well, which got their forwards getting go, go forward. So um, the combination of going wide and um, getting some holes inside really worked for them well in that second half. It did. And one of the things that, uh, that, that has amazed me is, uh, at least on the stats point of view, it's a very easy game plan to read because you just have, uh, uh, if you look at the, the passing stats for the backs, especially uh, you've got Genia, Foley, and uh, I've gone blank, and Beal, who gets past the ball, uh, and then you have Hodge, um, Kirindrani, uh, uh, Corvetti, and Falau. I think Falau threw the ball once, and okay, it was for a try, 
But between the four of them, they only, only threw something like one or two two passes all game. So it is three guys who play and then uh, who, who are the playmakers, and then you've got these four guys who are just crash ball runners. So you'd think that this was actually a, a, a system that you could work out fairly easily, I'd have thought. But if you execute it well, then it's going to be hard to stop. So that's the thing. You've got three playmakers. Who's the ball going to? Um, and that's, I suppose, the thing that you, you're right. You know where the ball's going, but you've got three options that you have to cover. True. Um, Josh, the issue would seem to be a horrendous lack of coaching at Super Rugby and club levels. Um, now, I'm... I wouldn't say a lack of coaching. I would just say, because right, let's be honest, we, you've got Nathan Gray, who is the defence coach for the Wallabies at the Waratahs. You had, um, I've gone blank as the attack coach, who is that? Who is the, uh, used to be an, uh, the ex-fly half, who is the, atta- who is the head coach of the Brumbies. Steve Larkham. Steve Larkham, there you go, um, who is there as part of the, uh, as part of the Wallabies setup. So you've got two of the assistant coaches at the Wallabies setup are running or, um, a, a very influential at two of the top Super Rugby sides. So from that point of view, you can't say that the Super Rugby haven't got coaches or, or can't coach. Also, um, Vessels, who was at um, the Force, has shown himself to be very good as well. Uh, I think the only real club that had a problem uh, was, is the Reds, where they seem to be have this um, continual need to appoint coaches who have got zero experience as head coaches. Um, <laughs> Uh, Nick Stiles being replaced by an absolute legend, admittedly, as a player in both league and union, but he most definitely isn't a legend as a coach yet, which is Brad Thorne. I do, I do say yet, um, but you've got to say that that's got, that's got to be that the Reds have got to be a, a, a big question mark, a big um, big issues around them for next year, I think already. The the, the, the um, big thing with Brad Thorne's favour is going to be he's going to carry a huge amount of respect um, from his team and. Uh, Especially for the early part of the season, he's got probably about halfway, six rounds, seven rounds, where the boys will be listening to him, to every single word that he says. But if things don't go well on the field, that can fall over, and that's when he'll be tested. Absolutely. And, and to be fair to him, he is doing a decent job with Queensland Country, but the NRC is a very different kettle of fish to the uh, um, to Super Rugby. Um and Joshua, I agree. Larkham has got uh, a very bad record, um, second worst percentage of all Brumby coaches. That's fine. But um, he is also the Wallabies attack coach. We've just said their attack is actually clicking quite well. So, um, he's, yeah, they've got. The, the, you can't say that those guys aren't haven't got some quality um, in there. Um, and even Tony McGann down at the Rebels did well for a couple of seasons, um, and then it came off the boil uh, these last two years. But he did look like he was getting going in the right direction. It'll be interesting to see how Wessels goes um, when he arrives there um, soon. But um, so yes, yeah, so I think there is a, a lot of a lot of that um, going on. Uh, but you think the, the the All Blacks underperformed or, or were sort of oh, pressurised into underperforming? Oh, look, I mean the, the, the All Blacks did underperform. I mean there was no punch from the Ford pack in that second half at all. The first half went well for them. They had the Wallabies under pressure. They didn't execute all the opportunities that they had. Um, I think they paid for it in that second half. Um, but really, that second half, they weren't in it at all. Um, the forwards got nowhere. The defensive line wasn't broken. Uh, you know, or they struggled to break the defensive line. Um, I, I, and to have, you know, our, our coaches are God um, in this country, but what what the hell, you know, experimenting with the first five in a test match? 
hasn't played, is, isn't a regular first five um, at the Chiefs, but fills in there when Cruden was injured or rested. Um, so, and all of a sudden he's elevated to test level first five. Oh, I didn't like that at all. Um, I, I think he has the potential. No, don't get me wrong. He definitely has. But he's got to get game time in that position to then be able to uh, if, be effective at a test match level. Next year, when he's playing 10 for the Chiefs um, every game, then we'll see. You know, and then, then you chuck him in at test match level. But that's just a shocking decision on my part. It's just like... Uh, you can't say that you're taking test matches seriously if you use um, a first experimental first five. Um, yeah, I've been saying all along that we do, they shouldn't be trying Damian McKenzie there until he has had a season at the, at the Chiefs um, with it under his belt, which he will do next season. Which is so he'll be he'll be there. Yes, he is a minus ten cup uh, um, fly half where he's given plenty of space and against guys he can just run around. Uh, international level, he doesn't get that space and time. Um, but I guess going off that, uh, Shane uh, asked on Twitter, um, as you're discussing Bledisloe, can you discuss full strength sides and uh, no such thing as a dead rubber match? <laughs> oh, look, I mean, to my mind, there, 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 is a, no, there is no dead rubber match. I mean, the Australians weren't going there thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just make up numbers. Um, the All Blacks, from an All Black supporter's mind, is you never, um, well, from a from this country's point of view, it's the fact that they go out there and they expect it to win every game. Um, the fact that they might put some so-called second stringers in there is irrelevant. At the end of the day, it's the All Blacks. So uh, it's, it, a, it's a full-on test match. It is, but apart from um, McKenzie as your backup uh, fly half, uh, to me, I don't think I, I think that was pretty much a first-choice uh, um, side. Uh, allowing for uh, injuries and other yep. people being away. So um, Vitalik was away, understandably, um, with his wife, and he's going to miss the, the end of year tour. We'll get on to that in a second. Um, obviously, uh, you Dag, Smith, Milner, Scudder, um, all out from the backs, but that's kind of, again, you'd expect that. Uh, injuries uh, and a sabbatical, uh, you, you're short. Um, in the props, you're also... Um, going to have uh, you're forcing a problem there with you and you've lost your first first two your two first choice props tongue-tied um so i actually don't think that that was a second string side from new zealand i think that was a full strength side from new zealand from the players that were available um absolutely and agreed so um so from that point of view no it, this wasn't second string sides uh, from them uh and yeah. so that so definitely was a yeah that was that was their full strength side that lost two the full strength side that was available for the Wallabies as well. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like you, you look at some of those players. I mean, we again, office chat. Um, Dane Coles, uh, he's not playing at the level that we know he can. Um, in the office, this is like, it's like, oh, he's a bit gun shy, obviously, from his concussions that he's had. But he's definitely not playing to the level, and that's that's who he is at the moment. That's the player um, that's been selected. Um, yep, that, that is who he is um, at, at the moment. Um, Mick, uh, same type five issues, Bill strengthened side at 12, probably saved and made them in the weekend. Um, I don't think they had any particular, I, I thought they, okay, the, the, the type five weren't um, overpowering from the Wallabies, but I think they held their own um, in this game. I think it comes back to a comment I made earlier. They were able they to get wide, which means mm. you 
the defense. And once you stretch the defense, the inside um, forwards can really punch as well because the, the defensive sides had to spread, whereas otherwise they can hold tight. The ball hasn't gone wide. Everybody condenses up towards the ruck area. You can defend much easier on those run, the ball runners coming inside. Once you've spread the ball and the defense, defensive line is spreading across the field, those holes get bigger on the inside, which the forwards can then run at. And they were effective. They were making yardage um, uh, on the inside of the field as well as the outside. I was going to say, Joshua's point before we, before we move on, which is public love to boast about our depth and then point to absences when we lose. Uh, that's, that is very true. <laughs> I do like that one. Mind you, to be fair, we, 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 we haven't made excuses for absences. <laughs> but we said that was the number one side that was available on Saturday. So that's the number one all-black side. Oh, we have. But plenty of people have yeah. talked about the, um, the absences yeah. as well. So anyway, yeah. moving on to... Um, uh, to question two then, uh, which I guess comes on to some of this stuff about selection. Um, has Hansen got his All Blacks November touring squad right? Have you had a chance to look through it yet? Yeah, I have actually. Um, I, to tell you the truth, I mean, apart from TKB, I can't really argue with the team that's been selected. Um, to my mind, they are the players that, you know, that seem to be performing at the moment, are either in the All Black squad or have been performing at my out of 10 level. So um, I don't have any arguments. That's 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 the strong players. Apart from TKB, I can't understand for the life of me what the hell he's doing there. He is not, he is signed to play overseas. Every other player that is signed to be overseas has not been selected. So how does he, how is he an exception? I don't get it. I agree. I, I don't understand why he's going. Um, we'll get on to the Mario All Blacks later as to to who's going there um but even uh though there are um there are players who are going to be joining um the squad for the five uh for, sorry for the french part of the tour because obviously because because there's going to be a game um, against the french uh, barbarians midweek um i think they're going to be using um a couple of extra players that are being, that are going to play for the barbarians um in that midweek game and i've just gone and lost um who those players are that are joining in um but there are uh, so so it is going to be in, interesting. Mitchell Drummond, um, Maunga will be there, I think. Um, there are two names that come off the top of my head. I did see the other names today, but I've, I've gone from my head. Uh, Dominic Bird and Dominic Bird. Uh, and then prop um, Atuazi uh, Molay. Um, so uh, yep. Uh, so I guess Mitchell Drummond is, is going to be there. Um, as, uh, but he's only going to be there for that one game, isn't he? Um, and he's not going to be there for, uh, for, for, the, for the test later on. I would have kept Drummond in for the rest of the, the, rest of the, um, the tour and uh, said goodbye to Kebalu after those French tests, personally. Uh, yeah, why he's there um, does, does, does confuse me. Um, um, I would have gone back to the rugby championship and said bye-bye at that stage. He, it's like... Why is he being treated to every other player um, that's been before? Um, yeah, hesitating and trying hard not to bring up the Pierre Tao scenario. <laughs> well, no, Pierre Tao to me is, is the exception rather than the rule because he broke trust um, yeah. in the fact that he agreed, he agreed contracts when he, and then, whereas these other players haven't, and other players have been kept playing all the way through. Um, I think the, the what, I, what I think is happening, and I could be wrong, and we'll get on to, again, it'll be mentioned in the, um, 
when it comes to the Mario Alberts. Uh, and Kibale didn't play much in the rugby championship, did he? He was there for cover. Now for you've cover. got, a, you've then got, um, you had um, Brad Weber, uh, Brad, uh, Brad Webb, sorry, coming back from uh, coming back from injury, so he needed game time to leave him in the Master Ten Cup. You then had Mitchell Drummond, um, who, again, is a young guy coming through. Do you want him sat on the bench for six weeks or eight weeks, whatever it was, um, or do you say actually not? Get, game, get Midas Ten Cup game time under your belt and just have some more games. Um, so I think it was more a matter of let the young guys play, get rugby under the belt and play rugby. Um, and now that there's no other rugby for them to play, take them on tour and drop uh, and, and drop him. But he was only basically holding a, uh, a tackle bag for most of the uh, rugby championship. I think he only played was it maybe one game. So, yeah, yeah I'm not sure that uh, Mitchell Drummond would have gained much from uh, flying out to Argentina and holding a, a tackle bag for for um, for a couple of weeks. I think Mitchell Drummond's been injured for the early part of the NPC with Mitre Ten, I should say. I think. Um. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to keep track of every single player has been a bit of a nightmare, but some. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's. I mean, there, there are a few other interesting players in there. Um. Amongst amongst the hookers, we've got Dane Coles, Nathan Harris, and Cody Taylor. Um, and in our pre-pod chat, um, you mentioned Afasoa, Afas Fo Amu. Oh, jeez, Amua. Just call him Amua. Amua. <laughs> Amua. Um, <laughs> no, look, I mean, really um, excited to see him in that team, and I hope he gets some. And I hope he gets decent minutes on the field. Because um, yeah, I just you know the bits that I've seen him in the Mighty Cup, and and not not just in the second division, I like to call it. But against Canterbury and against Taranaki, you know, he performed against top teams as well. So uh, really looking forward to seeing him out on the field. And it's a great day. I mean, Dane Coles is 30 now. Um, and with his head knock issues, you've got to say, I wonder how much, long, how much longer he's going to survive. Um, probably through to the Rugby World Cup, obviously, in a couple of years' time. But then you think that would be probably much it. Um, and so with Nathan Harris at 25 and Cody Taylor at 26, uh, Amua at 20 is, is the, next, um, the next guy coming through. So... Uh, it, it's, it's good to see the supply line, uh, nice age going through there. And um, you have to say that um, Cody Taylor hasn't you know, really taken his opportunities. Um, he's, he's had some good moments, but I don't think he's had that consistency that Dane Coles prior to head knocks was um, you know, really performing on the field, sort of every game, in, uh, day in, day out. Well... Considering Cody Taylor was talked about as being a one-cap all-black when he went to Fiji for the all, um, because because Dane Coles was um, uh, was in a Super Rugby final, I think he's done pretty well to pick up twenty-five caps. <laughs> to be fair to him, um, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, because yeah, a lot of people were kind of yeah, we're talking about him as a one as a one-cap wonder, um, and he's yeah, he's he's stuck in there and and fine, yeah. He you'd think you'd think someone is going to come through and say. Thank you very much for being around, but you, you, he should never be a 50, um, mm. 60 cap player. Uh, so, yeah, you'd expect him to get overtaken by someone else, but he is filling, he's managed to fill a, fill a, role, fill a hole um, that the All Blacks have had and for, do a role for them um, quite nicely over the last couple of years. Another, and one last point, I think, in terms of the section, is somebody going to put their hand up and put some pressure on Brody Retallick and Sam Whitelock? Because, like, that was one of the failings on, um, on Saturday night, was that I just, Scott Barrett had his opportunity there, really to put a stamp his mark on it. Didn't Patrick Tui Pilota comes on, didn't stamp his mark on it, dropped the ball at key moment, gave away a penalty. Yeah, so 
there's opportunities being missed by players. I, I get what you're saying about the locks um, because I mean, we've got a a, 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 a a new hooker in there. We've got Tim Perry in there from the props who has his own capped. Um, I mean, they've gone, they're coming to dig deeper than props because of injuries. But amongst the locks, we've got Barrett Romano, Tupolotu, White Lock, and again, loose forwards, Kane, Fafita, Kano, Reed, Sevilla, Squire, Todd. There's no new names. There. There's no one that anybody um, is not going to recognise. Uh, so I think we're pretty much, these are the guys that are going to a World Cup. No one else is going to get an opportunity from now. Someone's going to have to be pretty spectacular to all of a sudden put their hand up. Maybe so. I, I can't see here. I think that's this is your last chance. Um, unless you're going to have someone. Uh, we've seen it in the backs so with someone like Milner Scully come through at the last minute. Um, but generally, you don't see it in the forwards that someone comes in with no caps going into a Rugby World Cup. Yeah. You think that Matt Todd surpassed Artie in the picking order? No. Okay. <laughs> Um, put bluntly, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things against him. One, he's 29. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Ardis Vea is, I, th- I just think he's perhaps a better starter than Ardi. I think Ardi is, is is seen as that bench option um, that can cover eight and nine and seven. Um, so, I, so I think Ardi is seen as a specialist bench player, which may not be great, but I think that's just where where, where, he's, um, where he is. And his and Sam Kane picked up. I mean, Sam Kane. As I say, he is the next All Blacks, All Blacks captain. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's just, uh, uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be captain after the Rugby World Cup. Um, into the backs, I mean, obviously the halfbacks: Kebalu, Piranara, Smith. We've kind of talked about Barrett, Sopwaga. We've kind of talked about because we thought that Milner Scudder shouldn't be, um, not Milner Scudder, sorry, <laughs> Naomi McKenzie shouldn't be really covering for him. Um, and we do see Wanga um, coming in for that for the French games, uh, which is good to see. But mid in the midfield, Crotty, Lamapu, Leonard Brown, Sonny Williams, all great. But Goodhue looks to have bumped, jumped ahead of players um, such as uh, oh, I've gone blank as to Moala. Sorry, Moala, um, yeah, and uh, Tumani Balu, who've both been uh, capped in this area. But Goodhue looks like he's the next. He's uh, he's jumped ahead of them. Yeah, look, I mean, if, if you George Moala, unfortunately. You'd have to say he's probably fallen off his game a little bit, but also not helped by the fact of the teams that he's been playing in hasn't really helped him either. In saying that, Jack Goodhue, he's he's not just a one, you know, you, you look at George, just come back to George, he almost comes across as almost a one-dimensional crash-bash, take-it-up player, um, which I, I've seen him pass the ball. But you look at Jack Goodhue, he's got a lot more um, tricks in his tool bag, hasn't he? And um, offers a lot more in that position. He also, I mean, one of the things I've, I've talked about before on this show is that New Zealand seem to have a lot of 12s. Crossy's a 12, Lamapi's a 12, Samuel Williams is definitely a 12. Actually a 12. <laughs> um, and I think Moral is probably more a 12 than a 13 as well. So it's possibly also the fact that they need um, a good 13 to come through. Uh, yeah, the really. 13. Yeah, so that's part of that. And then the outside backs, Dave Hivali obviously has been uh, doing some wonderful stuff. Um, Rico, uh, breakout player of the year. Uh, um, uh, nominee for the World Rugby Awards, Dame McKenzie, Naholo, um, Tamanavalu. Um, sorry, sorry, I just said Tamanavalu wasn't getting go. Um, and, uh, and Matt Duffy. So um, Tamanavalu has now made him, has reinvented himself well um, as a uh, as, as, as a winger. Yeah, well, I think it comes back to that whole, you know, when you look at your core group and then obviously you're going to surround them with players that are versatile. 
And obviously, um, the fact that he's reinvented himself as a winger um, helps his versatility because he's a pretty good centre as well. Yeah, so I remember him trying to do a chip over the top straight into someone into against Wales, and the guy just lifted his hands in the air, caught it, and ran in, ran it in for a try. So um, I did think the All Blacks weren't quite sure about his temperament um, necessarily uh, and his concentration um, because he had that lack of concentration uh, to to allow that. Um, but hey, it looks like it's fought his way back in again, which I think is, is, is has got to be um, very good for him and well done. Uh, obviously, we're missing um, out the back here. Uh, where's the list of injuries of players who, players who weren't included? Um, Jordy Barrett, Israel Dagg, Neymar Scudder, Ben Smith. So we're missing four players out of this. So you've got to say Tamanovalu, uh, Duffy, Havali um, have all got themselves into this because of those injuries. Um, uh, yep. So, yes. And Matt Duffy, uh, an ex-rugby uh, league player as well. Oh, well, uh, an ex-player that was poached from rugby to go play league, offered lots of money in front of them as a kid. Let's put it that way. Uh, but no, look, he, he's done it the right way. He's come back. Um, he's played Mitre 10 rugby as well as Super Rugby, not just expected that he was going to walk straight into a black jersey like uh, others have in the past. Um, so he's done it well. He's He is a consummate professional. He does things right. He makes very few mistakes. And um, I think it's done him really well. And... Um, I'm hoping to see him at 15 for the Blues as well. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, I well. Go yeah, because, sorry, you go. No, he, he's kind of all black right wing role, which is the, the second fullback uh, or, or a winger who is strong in the air and can score in the court. And his he has that ability to, to, to dive for the line um, and put the ball down that you see from, from good um, league wingers, um, so he's definitely good at executing that. Uh, he's also very strong in the air as well, as we saw against the uh, against the British and Irish Lions um, in one of the few Blues good games. So, and he's uh, yeah, he, to me he, he kind of fits that mould of a of of, of what um, the All Blacks are looking from their right winger, which I don't think Naholo does. Um, to me, Naholo fits the fits what the All Blacks want from their left winger, not from their right winger, uh, which is more Julian Surveyor kind of power. Uh, running, um, so I've always I've always thought that um, he Danola might need to switch wings uh, to a long uh, career, uh, but then with Rico emerging on the left wing, uh, challenging for that spot is going to be extremely difficult. Well, Rico brings along the um, power player as well as the sort of right wing ele elements as well. I sometimes wonder if Rico's on the right wing. Tell you the truth, because he always carries the ball in the wrong hand. <laughs> and I was sort of looking at the TV. He's got the ball on the. He's tucked up the ball on the wrong hand. Shouldn't you be on the other wing? So oh, hey, but hey, what do I know? <laughs> Absolutely everything. We should be coaching the All Blacks, um, no. No, the, or, at least, or at least the Blues, anyway. Skinny um, Indian, the skinny pom. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me! Cool. So. Um, yeah, but Matt Duffy does is is unusual. As I think, if we went through this list of players, you could probably count on. Uh, I think there'll be less than a handful of any. Uh, I think it's basically you probably have Duffy, Sonnyville Williams. Probably going to be the only two on this list that haven't played under twenties or junior All Blacks. Um, so from that point of view, he is he is different. Um, he is he's kind of a different route than the other players, which is which is kind of unusual. 
Yes, he has. Um, and I, I suppose, you know, if there was any, well, I wouldn't call it question marks, but any raised eyebrows of any sort of, it would have been on Matt Duffy, but I absolutely think that he deserves his position, especially in light of the fact that there are those injuries. So when you look at who's around and um, and he's paid his dues and he's performed really well for North Harbour as well. Yep. No, I, I've got no problems with him being there. Um, but no. I was a little, but I was surprised he, he did get there. He perhaps isn't as, um, you say, he's a very solid player, doesn't make mistakes. Uh, mm. He's not kind of a flashy player that's um, in the in the mould of a Milner Scudder or a Damon mm -hmm. McKenzie, uh, which we've seen has been more uh, what uh, the All Blacks have been looking for recently. So I thought from that point of view, he might not make, he might never get there, but I think he deserves it um, uh, as from what he's done. So the uh, moving away from international rugby things, um, but some, and my screen share is not working. So sorry for people who are watching live. I can't share the question, but the, the question is um, with Super 7s coming, um, what innovations would, what innovations would you like to see in rugby? Or perhaps we should probably talk about what those innovations are first. We might want to talk about what Super 7s is. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know if that well, widely known. So, all right, so um, Super Sevens is basically the new professional rugby uh, league in um, the States for Sevens rugby, not 15s. So, obviously, last year we had the pro rugby in the States, uh, which was the 15s, 15 aside professional league um, that has collapsed since then. And next year we're going to see Major League Rugby um, come in for the 15s. Um, but this, but uh, Super, so Super, Super Sevens Rugby League, as it's entitled, um, is basically is, is a league for sevens. Now, some of the innovations they're going to do, um, first off, um, they're going to have four quarters of 12 minutes. So you're going to try and play sevens, seven players, sevens rugby, on a full-size pitch for 12 minutes, four times, which is what? That's, 40, that's, 50, that's a 50-minute or 48-minute game. That's a massive stretch. Um, uh, that's probably what, twi twice as long, I think, at least. Um, maybe even three times longer than a uh, than a sevens game so it's going to be way longer for a start now the way they're going to um longer <laughs> sorry closer to four times longer, four times longer average, yeah. your, normal, your normal one's 14 minutes two so, seven minute <laughs> so um now the way they're going to get around that is you know, have 12 players in a squad and you have rolling subs so whenever there's a dead ball you can change players um and uh, um and so they're going to have that uh, they, uh, as we saw with pro rugby, there's going to be no draws. They can have new overtime rules called the gauntlet, which is two versus one skills challenge to determine the winner. Quite what that means, I'm sorry, I've no idea. Um, uh, so they bring um, the gladiators back. <laughs> you have to run through the gladiators. Pugil sticks and everything. Um, <laughs> and then finally, uh, one um, another innovation is they're going to have uh, each the coaches can have one challenge per quarter of a so basically call the tmo um and then finally they're gonna be so just so you know the structure there's gonna be six men's teams six women's teams who are gonna get paid equally which is great uh in this day uh, at the moment here, here that's going to happen um and from memory it's going to be six or seven um stops uh through uh weekends of um of tournaments where all the teams will go to one place and play that weekend um, and play through the season so um so yes, so four 12-minute quarters and rolling subs um, is is, uh, is is how they envisage it. How do you think this is going to pan out? 
the concept doesn't seem bad. Um, I'm sort of thinking playing sevens rugby for 50-odd minutes is going to be tough, even with rolling subs, because the subs come on with the dead ball, and you can have a massive period of time in sevens without the ball going dead. Um, you don't really see a hell of a lot of line-outs in sevens. Um, you obviously see scrums probably more than line-outs because of knock-ons, but the thing is that within sevens, the ability to secure the ball from a knock-on from the non-infringing team is much higher, and therefore they get the advantage and play on. And team strategy will surely be to hold the ball, even if you're going backwards, to tire the defensive team out because they can't get a sub on. It is, so, yeah, that's going to be tough. It is definitely going to be tough um, for those ones. Um, someone's, someone's called it pro ball, ball rush. Um, which, uh, <laughs> um, which, which, which is, sounds, sounds great. Um, but basically, yeah, you're going to basically, yeah, knock-ons where you don't, where you grab the ball again. It's going to be pretty much the only time you're going to have turnovers or pen, or, or stoppages. Um, the number of times that, that teams will take a quick tap um, on penalties, for example, to play on, um, those sort of things all happen. So yeah, you're going to say. Uh, it's, people, you're going to be trying the very, the very first stoppage, even if it's after only 60 seconds. You're going to change as many players as you can because you know, to change them when you can. Yep, exactly. Um, and um, you know, you got to remember the fields they will be playing on are artificial, which means that basically it's it's a game under the um, Tupperware container in Dunedin every single time. <laughs> will it be televised in New Zealand? Says Jack Darby. I haven't got a clue. Um, will it even actually ever take ever happen and take off? We don't know yet. We've seen several um, of the several of these kind of ventures um, suggested, um, and not uh, lots of noise around them, and never actually even get around to playing one game. So at the moment, uh, they are supposed to be starting next year in 2018. Um, they have also offered up a one million dollar game, um, which is supposedly a challenge between the best uh, one of the best international teams in the world. Um, and the USA, I think, or something along those sort of lines. And um, so Fiji will get invited to play play for $1 million, winner-takes-all sort of game, which for me reeks of the um, the guy who did it in cricket in the Caribbean um, and is now locked up for the rest of his life of running a big Ponzi scheme. So I'm a little bit dubious of people, playing, of people sort of offering $1 million games um, in rugby because that's an awful lot of cash that just isn't really there as far as I can yeah. see. So, um, so I'm a bit skeptical this will actually ever happen, um, but it is interesting to see what ideas are throwing up and whether they actually be be be, um, be taking off. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. Rumour swirling around that Jared Haynes signed up for it, but um, he signs up for everything, doesn't he? Um, but uh, he's. But um, I've got to, I've just got to go and look, I've got my kids shouting who's sleeping, uh, who's supposed to be asleep. Um, I'll be back in two seconds. All right. <laughs> so, so, oh, so basically, um, you look at it. Twenty eighteen start date. It's um, a lot to organise before um, twenty eighteen rolls around. Mid the summer of twenty eighteen. So uh, it's going to be a push to get things started. You don't. You'd have to get some players lined up now. They'll be already signed up in contracts. So it would be. Pretty difficult to get things up and running, I think, in the 2018, even if they do get the ball, uh, get it up and running. I think I filled well that time.
I was just saying, I think I filled well that time. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. just saying for uh, Molly Ray is the fact is I, I just can't see it with the, you know, you're going to get players signed up and they're going to start in their summer of uh, 2018. It's going to be a tight fit. Yes, I do think they've got some players already signed up uh, and they're looking at signing up uh, basically, basically being um, American players, um, not foreigners. So I think mm. on the whole, it's going to be a, um, uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, the, they have been talking about it. It has been have have been sort of wheels rolling for a couple of years, so they have had a run up. Whereas pro rugby got organised in about five months to six months, um, which is just ludicrous. Uh, is so next year? No, it's gone. Next year we'll have major league rugby uh, in the states, which is a different, uh, which is club based rather than central based. But we can talk about that another another evening. Another yes. Because we're only running about about ten minutes behind uh, behind the normal schedule, which is absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> on to question four, um, and back to domestic issues. Uh, so Wellington were the only championship side to win um, more than half of their games. So, is it our crossover games really a waste of time? Pretty much. Don't really. It was this. It was a move to appease the second division, so that they didn't think they were in the second division, when the reality is that they are in the second division. So to make these, make it a proper competition again, the, the, the NZRFU has to do one of two things. They've got two options. They either go and actually call it a first and second division, and then you can, can and do it that way, or they just amalgam, amalgamate all the teams and they all play each other, which means that you'd be starting earlier, um, you wouldn't be able to start in the time frames that they started now at the end of August sort of thing. Uh, they would have to basically be playing when Super Rugby starts. But that could be good for that. They could play as curtain raises to Super Rugby. People will scream, no, club rugby, no. But it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, provincial rugby has relevance or it doesn't. And that's that's the thing. So I, I think the might sync up is is really its relevance is that it produces talent for Super Rugby and the All Blacks. And that's yep. it. Um, whether actually anyone wins it or loses, no one really cares too much anymore. And, and it's hard, you know, with somebody who's grown up with NPC Rugby being uh, pinnacle, you know, prior to Super Rugby, even when Super Rugby initially started, it's, it's really hard not, not to accept it, accept it, accepting it's not a problem. It's just the whole concept of the fact that that's an irrelevant competition now. Yeah. It just doesn't sort of make sense that it's an irrelevant competition. But you're right. It's just a development ground. Uh, and I can say that because I am a pommy who's arrived and only been here for three years. Um, yeah. People who have been here for... Long <laughs> uh, as, as Joe Craig says, it has all the history of New Zealand rugby. It does. Um, the uh, But... Um, but as Andre says, other than keeping traditions, it's a stupid concept. Um, no, it, it does. It provides it provides one very very good thing, which is producing talent. Um, and with it, without it, um, New Zealand rugby would uh, would struggle definitely, as we've seen in Australia. They they've had to engineer the NRC to give them the breeding ground for players for their Super Rugby concept. The two side, the two countries that produce more rugby players than any other are New Zealand and South Africa. And South Africa have the Curry Cup. It's yep. no, um, uh, it's no, I've gone blank as what, uh, 
it's no coincidence that those are the two clubs that um, uh, that those are two countries. Sorry, that produce most most uh, most talent. Look, um, uh, basically, if yeah, as I said, they um, now my mind's gone blank. I had a, a really relevant point and it's just gone. But uh, basically, they've got to make a decision whether they want to make it relevant or not. Um, that's what I was going to say. Last last year's NPC, you would have watched that and gone, this is going to die. This year's NPC has actually been some really good rugby played this year. Um, it, the, the the games have been highly entertaining, good skill levels, etc. So I think this year's NPC, I keep calling it NPC, um, has been a step above the previous versions over the last few years. Um, if, if we'd had another year like last year, I would have said, see, geez, where, where's this going? Because we just the, the skill level's dying. We have. It's also been good that uh, Canterbury have lost their own Furley Shield. Um, that at um, yep. that does create a lot more uh, a lot of interest um, as well, which is good. Um, if they'd held on to it throughout this season, um, would have that that, that would also not it. helped. Yeah, they would. If they held on to it, they would have also gone into this weekend's final. You're basically going to put the house on them to win the um, game this weekend, um, and they would have held everything in, in oh, the well, country. And we'll get to, we'll get to predictions at the end. Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's a waste of time, but Mighty Ten, the Mighty Ten Cup isn't a waste of time because it has a very good role. Um, it's just not for the viewers to watch. <laughs> That's mm. basically it. Um, cool. So on to the fifth and final question, um, which is, um, the Maori All Blacks will play Canada and the French Barbarians. Um, should they get more fixtures? Absolutely. Nothing more to say there. Um, they're a fantastic team. They are. They are a fantastic team. I mean, like, you know, it's a shame. There, there was a. I think it was prior to yourself coming here, so you might not have seen the game. The Maori All Blacks versus the Wallabies in Sydney. Uh, you had the likes of Crib, Flavel, Carlos Spencer. Yeah, there was a fantastic team. And it, then they every now and then they go through a phase where they get this team together but they don't carry it on and it falls apart in a sense. Um, this year, the, the Maoris playing the Lions is a classic example. If they had a Maoris tour at the end of every year, then that Lions-Maoris game, the Maoris would have been a much more cohesive unit playing that game. And, and they have that ability to be that cohesive unit. They're just not given enough games to be able to consist. You know, a team that doesn't play together isn't going to perform. So Craig, uh, Jared says England would immensely use in America currently. Yes, they would. And that's because as, as we just, just mentioned, they don't have, they don't play together much. Um, one of the things that, um, that they did do, they went through a, a period, of, I think it was five or six years um, where they didn't lose a game. Um, so, uh, and it was only a couple of years ago that they actually lost they, the, that, that run stopped. So that was uh, a, bit, a bit of a shame. And um, so, yeah, so I, I I do think they need more games, and I think, to me, where they could really be useful is for the is playing those tier two teams and giving those tier two teams proper um, um, competition, competitive tier, games. Tier two teams and um, even the um, uh, the midwinter. I've forgotten what they refer to it as, but when the northern hemisphere team comes over here, they usually have a midweek game um, against the Super Rugby team. That could be against the Maoris. 
So um, the other thing on that is that what's not helped the Maoris is the fact that the All Blacks go away on their northern tour with extended squads, and that means that there's less players available for the Maori squad as well. There is, but I mean, if we, um, so I mean, one of the things I always thought that uh, one of the things one of the suggestions I've put out there before um, is that Australia, New Zealand, or the World Series All Blacks, and um, I mean, in total, I should call them New Zealand Maori rather than Maori All Blacks, but hey, whatever. Um, and the Maori, to me, they should have a pre Rugby Championship warm up game in the islands. Uh, so, for example, um, the All Blacks go to Fiji, the Wallabies go to Samoa, um, and the Maori go to Tonga. And then the following year, they rotate round. Um, and they, and that way, the uh, the the islands get a um, get a tier one game at home, mm. uh, which is which is guaranteed revenue. So they can actually sort of start building up the business links that they need, uh, uh, and get used deals. to get you know, the sponsorship deals, um, the the ability to sell uh, corporate tickets, and all of that kind of stuff, um, which is where they fell down when the when the All Blacks went last time. Um, and so yeah, I think they should, ha and it would also um, yeah. Grow, grow all of that sort of side of things. Yeah, look, the, the, um, the Maori All Blacks, or the, as you say, the New Zealand Maori team, as it should be named, um, does open up a lot of opportunity and possibilities, and is really not utilised. Yep. Um, and we should probably have a quick look at some of the players that are on there. Um, that uh, have you have you had a quick look at the uh, the, the, the selections did, that's on there? I did have a look today quickly, but it um, was a lot to take in. So I'll try and my photographic memory fails me as I get older. Oh, well, I've got, I've got it in front of me, so I'm cheating. Um, so obviously, with only two games, they don't need lots of players. Um, so um, Eves, Wright, Retina, Lomax um, on the front row. So not um, from um, North Harbour, Northland, Auckland, and Tasman. Um, so the, obviously, with the All Blacks prop um, uh, being, uh, props stocks being, um, being dug deep, they're going to probably have a little, little bit of a problem there. Um, with Ash Dixon, Liam uh, Powart, uh, they get they're going to be fine at hookers. In the locks, Tom Franklin, um, Himopo, um, Huitea, uh, and keeper Muet. Oh, dear me. Um, they're going to be, um, <laughs> into the loose fours. Um, we got to see like Dan Pryor, um, Akiri Iwoni uh, in there, halfbacks, Dan Weber. Um, so that's where he's getting his rugby in, uh, which is good. Um, Ohio West is still um, knocking around um, and, getting, in, and getting, a, getting some game time. Obviously, he got pushed out by um, Damon McKenzie for the for the Lions game, um, and it's interesting to see Charlie Nightmare listed as an, as an outside back um, rather than a midfielder uh, for this tour. Uh, so uh, maybe he's trying to move himself into a thirteen as well. Yeah, I'll, um, oh, look, I, I think um, with, when it comes to the Maori squad, it really ends up with unfortunately leftover type players as well, and so. I don't read too much into the positions in the um, actual squad naming. I think when they get together, they'll um, build combinations and they'll see where, with the players' resources that they have, who fits best where. Yeah, it's, and, uh, the, the unavailable due to injury is, is, is pretty long. Um, again, uh, Terry Black is out, who we're hoping to see play for the uh, Blues soon. Um, the... Uh, um, uh, we also Elliot Dixon is missing from there, um, and a few Matt Proctor and a few other names uh, Ben May that you might recognise um, as well. So they've got another, they've got at least um, eight or so players missing through injury, as well as the players that um, the All Blacks have already taken um, as well. So it's um, 
it's I guess it, it shows the depth and talent that New Zealand has got uh, to be able to tour that side. What about um, Stephen Pirafetta? Am I getting his ethnicity wrong? Is he, he's I, missed out, hasn't he? He has. That's true. I would have to go and see what his ethnicity is and whether he's, whether he's actually Islander rather than Maori. I'm trying to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm failing miserably. <laughs> well, you, you've got oh, to... I think it says he's Samoan, so um, I was trying to do a, a Frank Bunce on him. The... <laughs> Or they, he, he was New Wayne or something and ended up playing for Samoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, I remember actually hearing one of the, uh, is that the um, players just got to, got to say, this is my, uh, uh, this is my lineage, um, and they take his word for it. Uh, and uh, it's kind of like, yep, yeah, if you get found out, it's on your head, be it. And, um, and, that's, and they, they basically use an honesty system uh, and that's, uh, yeah, uh, putting people to be, um, putting people as, as uh, People just wouldn't lose face by claiming they're married when they're not. Is the uh, is, is is what they um, is, is what they what they say. But they said they're really proud of the likes of Dave McKenzie, Rico Arni, Milner Scudder, and Kane Hames, and they've all come through uh, the New Zealand the um, New Zealand Mary, which is a great way of um, of it uh, of, of of it coming through. So that's a good way of it doing. And you, and you sort of but, think um, about it, you know. It's just like man, you know, the rest of the world. Thinking, it's not fair. This has got so many ways to. Um, to develop their players, and um, that, that is one of the things that's really good. I mean, we've just talked about NPC or the uh, it, it development levels, and then now you've got your Maori All Black team that you can, or the New Zealand Maoris that you can use as a development level as well. Exactly. Um, someone's saying that uh, uh, Bunce never played for Maori. No, he didn't, but we're talking about which island no, uh, no. Bunce played for. Um, he played. No, he played for Samoa when he was New Wayne. So there we go. Um, so before we get on to prediction time, any topics that you think you've covered over the last week you'd like to have a quick chat about? Actually, you know, obviously, I don't think we talked about off air before we came on, and um, my, my concerns around Auckland rugby. Um, everything's going to be swept under the carpet. Uh, there is one thing people outside of New Zealand won't be aware of. Effectively, there's no media in the Auckland region that cover Auckland rugby. Um, the Blues is a different story, but you won't see any stories about Auckland rugby anymore in the media, or very few, and uh, maybe on the news. And so when the microscope has to be going on an organisation to find out what they're doing to fix the, the dire mess that they're in, there is nobody to put that microscope on them. And, and so I have a concern over the fact that next year I can't see anything different for Auckland rugby. So, yeah, I think that's, that's sort of uh, outside of what's been going on, one of my concerns. But I'm a bit biased because I'm from the region. Nope. I think I've dropped out again. Or oh, you've dropped out again. If I'm live, I suppose I'll carry on talking. Uh, people, again, outside of New Zealand, they'll be aware. Um, Auckland were lucky, lucky not to be relegated to a second division of the competition, being the largest city in New Zealand. Uh, there are some numbers, issues around there that people don't understand, but the reality is, is that we shouldn't have been in a position where we're about to be relegated. We're lucky not to be. Wait, do any of the sides, my tank upsides, have 
that sort of uh, scrutiny from the journalism anymore? And isn't it just about Super Rugby? And as, as um, we've said, the Mighty yeah, Cup just doesn't, doesn't we, have the interest anymore. We're in Auckland, so we don't see it. Um, but you do have the local papers and the local news media, which um, stuff me is trying to get rid of. Um, but um, they, they do have local reporters. Uh, they have their local flag wavers, and, and they're, they're the reporters. So they do get um, uh, talked about. We don't see it because it's all local. Uh, but, you, you know, you tell me the last time you saw an article in the New Zealand Herald about the Auckland rugby team. It used to be on a basically every second day there was a story in there about North Harbour, Auckland, which are the and counties, which are you know, we've got three teams in the Auckland region. And we we get we're lucky if we've got one story in the Herald on a weekly basis. It's like, nah, something's not right. Well, I'll be honest, I've given up reading the, the, the Herald and and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree though that I think that some that dodging relegation does mean that Auckland won't face up to its problems that it's got whereas I think um, Waikato will. If they'd um, been relegated they would have had absolutely no option because they would have been the laughing stock they would have had to show at least something that they were doing something about it. Yeah exactly and the uh, and actually I mean, down in Waikato um, the coach might lose his job over this unfortunately whereas I don't think it's his problem I think the problem down there is is structural uh, which is obviously also up in Auckland, uh, yep. but um, but I know that yeah I I I, mean, I posted a question last week saying um, will Waikato in the long term do better than Auckland because they've been relegated and I think they will. Um, yep. Whereas Auckland aren't aren't going to aren't going to change their aren't going to change their stripes um, no. and we'll get the same problems all again next season. Uh, yeah, we'll look at Wellington. You know they've they've spent three years down in the second division, and um, I think uh, you know they've finally seen the light. Um, the Hurricanes are performing. Uh, I know they're supposed to be two different organisations, but I think there is things that go on that assist each other. Um, and uh, you've seen Wellington, the Lions, uh, now probably uh, one of my workmates actually thought they are in the Premiership because they've been playing so well. And they're playing in the final of the Premiership. And it's just like, um, no, they're in the Championship. <laughs> and uh, the... Um Wellington and, uh, and the Hurricanes may be linked, but I do think the Blues are, are definitely not linked to Auckland. Um, oh, I think the, yep. the, the Blues are much closer to both the counties and North Harbour than they are to Auckland because yep. they see the mess that Auckland is um, yep. and Tannis has gone, I don't want to deal with Auckland. It's a total mess. Um, I want to deal with Harbour. I want to deal with counties where I came from. Um, I know their setups there, and I think they're working properly. So that's where I'm going to get my players from. And you can see Pulu's down in um, uh, down at Counties. You've got Parsons, who's the Blues captain, is a captain of North Harbour. Um, and, uh, Duffman, who we just talked about getting called up to the All Blacks, is at Harbour. Uh, uh, our, our next fly half is is Harbour's fly half. So um, yep. it's it's all uh, – that's Tanner's seen it and gone – I, I don't have the, yeah. the, the, I'm not in the position to fix it, so I'm just going yeah. to avoid it. Yeah. Um, and unless you are an extremely talented individual from that, from Auckland, he ain't going to pick you. Yeah. Uh, basically. Because uh, you're going to bring that culture through and he, he doesn't want it. Exactly. Uh, one of the things that we have seen, uh, one of the things I see tweeted out from Auckland, on the Auckland Twitter um, handle was that they had a player playing in every single Super Rugby franchise um, one weekend last season. 
they have players across all of them. So that link between the Blues and Auckland definitely is not there because they've got their players have gone across the country. Um, and, oh, Jack, uh, and Jack Goodhue would have to be the best example, you know, at the, in the current crop. There's been plenty, but the current crop, Jack Goodhue would be the best. Well, he's also left from a from a, from from a provincial provincial sense as well. I mean, Fekitoa, yeah. for example, um, has been an Auckland player um, all the way through. Uh, just because he's been with the All Blacks, hasn't played for Auckland, he's still been signed up as an Auckland player. Um, uh, so you know, the players like him who are down at Highlanders, um, and as I said, there will be other players in, in, at the other who are playing for Auckland, um, still there for the province, but not but not playing at the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vince also is another one. Yes, exactly. Um, but it's been mentioned in the. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm hoping Vince doesn't decide to go play somewhere else next year. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh dear! But are oh, we? I mean, Auckland had an amazing backline. Fekitoa, Moala, also. Um, you've got two All Blacks and the Super Rugby leading try scorer, uh, and they still only um, scraped uh, out of the uh, um, out of relegation by yep. a couple of points. Absolutely. Uh, it's just like uh, the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems, and you know, the Blues have suffered from it, and obviously they're starting to get that sorted at the Blues level, but where's the first five? You know, you need that commander to run the team, and it's just not there. Yep. And Joshua says you can say about every NPC team about the players going to off to all the Super Rugby teams. Yeah, you can, maybe to a greater or lesser degree. I think Auckland, you'll find, is to a greater degree um, than... Yeah. Than, than, than some of the others. Um, yep. Is Sonny Williams counties or Auckland? Um, counties. I think it's counties, yeah. Yep. So as I say, the Blues the blues are linked to counties and North Harbour more than they are Auckland. Um, yeah, just come around, boys. Cool, right. Yeah. Let's get on to uh, predictions is going to be, or should be, pretty quick. Um, this week because it's finals time. There's very few games to predict. So Wellington versus Bay of Plenty. How do you see this one going? Well, you know, Wellington, third third year in a final. Um, using a term that you'll be well too familiar with, they bottled it the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, this year, you're looking at the way that they played. They've knocked off Canterbury. They've knocked off, I think they might have knocked off Taranaki as well. Um, or gone close anyway. Um, you can't see it going any other way than Wellington winning that uh, the championship and getting promoted. No, I agree. I mean, game they played earlier in the season was at Bay of Plenty, and Wellington won uh, ten points to thirty-one. So they won by twenty-one points. Um, I'm backing Wellington by ten points. Um, yeah, I can't see it going any other way. God, you're conservative. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it's going to be a blowout. <laughs> Unless, has, has the Moor actually, the, when do the All Blacks assemble? Do they assemble before the finals games? Uh, I'm pretty sure that, the, 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 well, anyone who has been currently part of the All Blacks won't be, won't yep. be released. Um, but um, I'd have thought the ones that, uh, I'd have thought the ones that, that weren't part of the All Blacks already would, would be allowed to play. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I just heard some room, well, I don't know where I heard it, um, but some complaints about the fact that there'll be a few players from Canterbury missing that have been selected for, like, the Barbarian squads and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. Um, mm. 
I wasn't sure about that. Uh, yeah. The um, the apparently they fly out on Friday, so actually, yes, they will be missing. Right. So well, they might, might will, even up the field even for um, they have plenty a bit, but um, there's a prop that runs just as fast as um, our friend Amour called um, Alex Fidel, I think was his name, and uh, he seems to be just as quick around the paddock as a as a winger, and he's a prop. Ooh. <laughs> and then, so the big final, Canterbury versus Tasman. Uh, Canterbury beat Tasman in the opening game of the season, um, 39-0 uh, in Tasman. Um, and it's a repeat of the final from last year where Canterbury won 43-27. Um, so how are you going with this one? I suppose you put the house on it. Actually, it might not be a bad option. I don't know, what's TAB paying on a Wellington uh, Canterbury double? I haven't got a clue. I'm not a, I'm not a gambling <laughs> man, so I don't... So. I'm not either. <laughs> but no, look, um, I think Tasman played their final last week against Taranaki. Uh, oh, I, they were extremely lucky to win that game against Taranaki. Got some rub of the green on that one, but um, they played their final against Taranaki. And uh, yeah, Canterbury's going to roll over the top of them. Maybe they, this, this, this is what happened last year. Maybe Tasman beat Taranaki in the semi-final. Um, and then got to the final, I say, and lost that. They lost. They also got they got thrashed at the beginning of the season before they got their season really underway. Um, and they've improved a lot since then. I think they've got a lot to prove um, and a lot of. Uh, and um, so I'm actually going to back Tasman by one. I think there's a chance that they're going to. Uh, that, that, that there's a lot of payback um, that they've been waiting to pay back, and I think this this could be. Um, they could be saving it all up for today. Here I was conservative. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying Big Brother might be a bit complacent going into the final. I think Big Brother might be complacent going into the final, and uh, yes, because it's it's an all South Island um, game for those of you that uh, that, that yeah. for listening from outside of New Zealand. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going for Wellington and uh, Tasman um, to win um, this one. Not going to help Sky viewership numbers, are they? When you have an all South Island final. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> very true. <laughs> I will be I will be out Ubering, um, so uh, so I, I'll be missing it anyway. But uh, so yes, for those of you who have been, for those of you who've been uh, been following my Uber adventures, um, but uh, yes, I'll be, uh, be Ubering around Auckland. So if you want to talk rugby, um, try and get an Uber. And if you get, if it's a red car, that could well be me. I will be wearing the hat, so it's a bit of a giveaway. Cool. Well, thank you very much, sir, for joining me um, yet again. Uh, I've made this more regular. I do think we should get pretty much uh, get as many of the West Stand Massive together for a uh, um, um, for a podcast sometime. And uh, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty busy I'll, boys. <laughs> I'll keep uh, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep haggling them. Um, mm. So um, why do you let people know where they can get hold of you outside of this? Because uh, you're going to build up a fan base um, during the show. Uh, you can catch me at NZ Fatso on Twitter. Um, that'll probably be the, the easiest way. And um, you can see my rugby comments, my political comments, and my observations of the world in general. Oh, observations of the world in general. Wow. This is a... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah. God. laughs> oh, dear. And, and, and obviously... It's about my kids. <laughs> 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 obviously i've been paul the guy behind driving wall um so please do subscribe to the um uh, to the podcast uh or uh, or um 
YouTube, depending on how you um, prefer to watch or listen. Um, don't forget to give us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and all of that kind of stuff. And obviously, I will be chatting away on Twitter at Driving Mall. So that's a good place if you want to get hold of me. So thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. There is no post-game shows this weekend. Um, but uh, so we'll be back next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Um, so let's, uh, um, let's have a good time. Cheers.